0: This is episode three with Michelle Powell, internationally recognized holistic health practitioner, best-selling author and trauma specialist. Welcome to the Wild Ones with Cam Miller podcast. I'm your host Cam Miller and I'm a coach, lifestyle entrepreneur and founder of what has twice been the UK babywear brand of the year. For the last few years, I've been supporting people around the globe to reconnect with the wild innate strength within themselves so that they can rapidly realize their goals and build incredible lives. The purpose of the Wild Ones podcast is to connect those creating wild, free, incredible lives and to share the knowledge, tools and skills we need to spend more of our time doing the things we love with the people we love when we like. If you're inspired by this podcast episode, subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com where you can check out and sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. It works hand in hand with the podcast to provide you with a steady stream of motivation, knowledge, and practices to fuel and guide your own wild, free, incredible journey through life. In this third interview, I'm interviewing Michelle Powell. Michelle is an internationally recognized holistic health practitioner, and she's been in the wellness game since 2003. She's trained in the rich and famous on the exclusive Hamilton Island Resort on Australia's Great Barrier Reef. She's also the author of the three times bestseller, The Mastery of Wellness, and she specialises in trauma recovery. With a strong focus on the totality of wellness care, Michelle takes people all the way from their lowest lows to being genuinely happy. If you want to understand why trauma is something we all experience and carry with us, if you want to learn how to free yourself from trauma to open your heart and mind to genuine happiness and success, and if you want to help friends and family to do the same, then this episode is for you. Welcome Michelle.
1: Thanks for having me, Cam. Looking forward to where we go today.
0: <laughs> Looking forward to it too. So Look, I think I wanted to dive in as part of the, the framework, the journey framework that sits behind uh, these interviews. I wanted to unbox where your kind of career began, what its early origins were, and um, what it, your early learnings were. And if I understand correctly, you started off as a personal trainer. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. My my journey is really long, so feel free to leave me wherever if I go <laughs> off on on uh, what I call verbal road trips. (laughs) So yeah, I started off uh, back in 2003 as a um, personal trainer, fitness instructor, teaching lots of classes Um, that built into, you know, management positions in, in gyms. And then that led to, into the next piece and the next, piece which was diving into nutrition and doing a lot of work there and then starting to learn more about mental and emotional health and leading into that and that led into holistic care and that led into spiritual mm-hmm. stuff and it's been 17 years now of just wow. been a really organic evolution into where I'm at now.
0: And in terms of where you started, was it just kind of that basic one-on-one uh physical uh, training in the, in the gym?
1: Well, it was a combination of like the one-on-one stuff with clients as well as teaching classes. You know, I, I would teach rooms with, you know, 100 plus people in there wow. on the big stages and it was so much fun. Um, so it was a, a great juxtaposition between the two, like the the one-on-one time as well as the, the big, almost like an entertainment way of doing fitness.
0: Gotcha. I'm not sure what the... I know when you mix education and entertainment, it's called edutainment. I'm not. I'm not sure what the, heard
1: what the that term before. is That's
0: when funny. you mix uh, entertainment and uh, working out. But it's it's definitely something that you know a, a lot of people don't just do you know things like yoga and that for the workout. They're doing it for the experience, the entertainment. Uh, you know, I know I do a, a workout, a yoga workout on Monday evenings, which is called Flow Frequencies. But it's very much at the The person that takes the class is a great uh entertainer and so i think you know in our world of social media uh now as well where there's lots of entertainment to be found if you've got a really important message or you're undertaking an important activity like a training uh, it's important that you make that uh, entertaining for people as well because i guess that that's what um helps them commit i guess their attention to the activity
1: yeah, for sure. And I think there needs to be a fun component too because, yeah, there's the social aspect and the entertaining aspect, but if it, it's fun and enjoyable and bring, bring some of that play aspect back into life that as adults, I think we lose an awful lot with all of our responsibilities. and Absolutely. Like <laughs> we can so bring it fun. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to get out of it alive though.
0: <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> So no i like that so yeah you mentioned uh play fun entertainment were there other sort of keys you found as a trainer either in the individual training or the group training that you found were were really keys to your success early in your career
1: i think for me because i learned super quickly that everything that's happening in someone's physical body is also really going on internally on a mental health and an emotional health level, and I think because I've had, you know, a very colourful upbringing and colourful life myself, there was nothing that really shook or rattled me, and so I could sit with people um, while they shared some really, you know, traumatic and detrimental and horrendous things in their in their life because it would impact how they were moving and how their body felt. Gotcha. Yeah, so I think for me, that was probably a big key element to, you know, moving forward, not just in my own personal and professional development, but for, you know, the clients that I attracted to, because I, I had the ability to not only have the physical knowledge and know-how, but to be able to, to support them with whatever they were going through.
0: Gotcha. And so, I, I, you know, in terms of your title, it's a holistic health um professional or practitioner is that is that really tying to what you're saying there that it's tying sort of mind body and i guess i guess soul into i guess the journey that you're taking people on from you mentioned you mentioned trauma uh perhaps you know low points in people's lives to i guess uh happiness is 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 the aim for many
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I think I know for myself on my own you know health and well-being journey throughout my lifetime all of these components fit together like puzzle pieces. So if you're looking at one it's important but you all of them intertwine together. So if you're missing something it's it's not going to all come together and and I feel that was a part of my own professional journey too moving through into all of the courses and degrees and things that I've studied and, and worked on over the years, because I'm like, hang on, there's a component missing. Let's dive into that and really gotcha. explore that.
0: Yeah. And what are, what are the, some of the things that you've studied, or I guess the qualifications and that, that you picked up over time as you've, got, I guess, explored all of these different areas of uh, human psychology, human well being, uh, peak performance, I guess, as well?
1: Yeah. Oh look, my uh list of credentials is actually rather long. Um, <laughs> long or broad I, I,
0: as well, you can yeah, say <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean obviously started off with you know fitness certificates and qualifications there and um from coming from that fitness industry and then that moved into I, I started with mainstream nutrition and qualifications there too, and that sort of it grated me because I wasn't finding that cookie-cutter approaches don't work for people.
0: yeah.
1: And that led me into more of the holistic um, approaches and doing it that way. And then um, so I did a lot of work with the Czech Institute, for example, and, you know, then went down into the, the mental health components and did... Um, you know some diplomas and qualifications there and so it's just been a a big evolution so yeah my list of credentials is rather long so I keep it um, holistic health practitioner because um, it's sort of the banner really that encompasses everything I do plus I'm internationally recognized as a holistic health practitioner so it just keeps it simple.
0: No I I like it and I guess for, for myself I Yeah, you can use the word sort of qualifications and that, but really, um, these are just skills, I guess, that you've been acquiring through uh, both through uh, book work, through the different courses you've been doing, but through uh, most importantly, I think is the practical application of the knowledge that you've been learning. So I think it's it's important to develop these skills and I think qualifications that often just suggest that you've developed those skills under the tutelage uh, of an experienced practitioner, which has been helpful for passing them on. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed in the early stages of your career, I think it was between 2003, 2009 sometime, that you, uh, if I read correctly, were on Hamilton Island, was it, as this part of the, the personal training?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was um, in management positions back in South Australia because I'm originally a Adelaide girl. Gotcha. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I had a headhunter come in saying, you know, we would love for you to come and work up on the island. And I basically just was offered a job on, on the spot. And I was like, I don't even know exactly where Hamilton Island is other than <laughs> it's, you know, up in the Whit Sundays, it's on the Great Barrier Reef. How bad could a tropical island be? Um, so that was 2007. I went up there and I lived on the island um, and up in North Queensland for Crazy. for a while. Yeah, and still in in the um, the health and wellness there. So there's um, a gym on the island, but there was also a lot of caring for the staff, not just guests. And I think that was the really interesting. Yeah, fun aspect because there's, a you know, a lot of staff on that island to make sure that, you know, everyone was supported. So that was a pretty uh, phenomenal experience to literally live in a postcard for a couple of years.
0: Got you. And did you find that, um, you know, people compared to, you know, often – I guess as a coach or as a personal trainer, you're meeting people in their everyday, they're in their everyday routine. Did you find that when you came into contact with people that were had been taken out of that routine or on holiday, et cetera, did you find a different mindset or different approach to uh, what they were doing and I guess what they were interested in as well?
1: I think it was an interesting polarity because Obviously, with working with a lot of staff as well as um, guests intertwined there. So, there's the staff that are going through this, is their day to day stuff. And then, guests I actually found would come in with either like a two mindsets, like they want to maintain everything that they've been working on yeah, while yeah. they're away. And then, others that are stepping into potentially trying something new because. They've had time to downregulate to come yeah. back into you know, a peaceful state of being. I'm like, actually, I feel like there's something more for me now. So let's explore that.
0: Gotcha. So two, two uh, really, really different approaches. And have you found, I guess, across the different areas where you've trained people, um, you know, what differentiates in your mind those that are, I guess, more successful um with the work that they do either in physical training and or mental training as well is there is there any factors you would say which really separates the clients which are which are really successful um versus the ones that are less so perhaps
1: yeah so my definition of you meaning successful there too is that you know they maintain it and get some sort of result out of it is that correct
0: well i think so i think that's the that's (laughs) one of the exciting things about the term successful I think uh, yeah I think, I think you agree that everybody that kind of you. needs to define that for themselves for one person right. I mean, money you know maybe they want to get the abs so that they meet the, yeah. the, the girl of their dreams or something like that um, but it can mean a whole lot of other things as well and I think uh, you'd agree with your holistic approach that you know, a lot of the best things to define success in are really the intrinsic drivers, you know, learning, growth, love, all of these sort of things that um, emanate really from within. And so when we define success based on those factors, um, then those are things that um, completely within our control, and then we can, you know, we can, we can build long term happiness on that. I guess really solid foundation. Then if we're putting it on things outside of us, um, which can be taken away from us, you know, things like money or physical possessions, uh, etc. So yeah, I think, I think as you're alluding to, definitely, um, I guess it comes down to the client and their definition of success um, in in those sort of relationships. Um, but, yeah, yeah, based, based on that, uh, what, what have you found?
1: Yeah, and, and I think that's probably important to, to preface there, that everyone's got their own definition of what words mean for them. So success yeah, is a really powerful one to make sure you know what that actually entails and encompasses for that individual. But what I think I've found over the years is, you know, those that are, quote, unquote, successful, They, first of all, understand that they're going to fall off the wagon, so to speak, because they're human. So there's no getting to one point and that's it, you know, whether that's a particular weight or size or how much you can lift in the gym or even if it's a mental state or an experience or something, you know, life is constantly ebbs and flows And so something that I've seen, you know, those that are quite successful understand that those ebbs and flows are going to happen and have compassion with themselves and don't think that it's make or break every single second, every single day. It's it's got consistency and it's kindness to self.
0: I like it. I like it. I think uh, I often frame this in my own mind. You know, I think I'm always often focusing on the destination uh, rather than the journey, a specific result or something like that. Goals, I find, often fall into that category. But when I focus a bit more on the journey, which kind of means enjoying the process, uh, kind of warts and all, which means sometimes on some days you'll be winning and other days uh, you might be losing, um, but just to enjoy either day, as much as you can, Um, and to use, I guess, the power um, of consistency and time and dedicated practice or effort over the long term, um, I've found that, you know, that can achieve amazing results. I was just thinking about it before Um, our chat here, actually, just, you know, how even the smallest kind of consistent uh, trickle down the side of a mountain can you know eventually carve a giant groove uh within it so i definitely i definitely concur how important consistency is and i think compassion as well is kind of it's kind of the emotional side of that isn't it it's how do you stay consistent um and you've got to, i guess you've got to treat yourself well and uh it kind of falls into the i guess another big broad term which is uh self-care and self-nurturing do you do you have your own sort of working definitions for those terms?
1: Yeah, well, you know, self-care, self-nurture is something I would probably put under my banner of being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. And and I think that sort of, sort of ties in with that compassionate aspect too of the ebbs and flows of life because, like you said, some days are going to be really hard. Some days are going to be really challenging. And you're constantly in a state of flux as in, you're always evolving. Like who you are now is different to who you were 12 months ago. Yep. In 12 months' time, you're going to be different again. So it's it's honoring where you're at. So I feel like there's a fine line too, because you want to allow the changes, you want to allow the flows, and you know, because what feels good today might not feel good tomorrow. Yeah. And there's also the checking in with yourself and, you know, are you making excuses or you know, are you BSing yourself a little bit? You know, finding that balance, so it's it, self-check in and being really honest with yourself.
0: I like it, and I I came across recently a guest who was talking about. You know, I was asking them how they stay balanced, and there's this kind of checking in uh, with oneself. And I think often in my own practice of that in the past, you know, when you're you know struggling, you're having a tough time. Often your self awareness <laughs> goes, goes um, you know off the charts and it goes goes away a little bit. And uh, what he mentioned actually is, he said his partner or his wife is actually you know his best point of reference. That she will very quickly say, you know, you're, you're doing a bit too much. You're you're trying a bit too hard. You're putting a bit too much pressure on yourself, and you're getting you're getting a little bit ratty <laughs> around the edges. And I think that. That ties to a topic that you're very familiar with, but is, um, you know, I guess, trust in uh, in in other people, um, and that often, maybe diving out deep into some of your work around uh, trauma, but you know that in some cases, often trauma, personal trauma, will involve uh, another person, um, which will lead to a, a breaking of trust. So, you know, often that's where the journey starts with people uh, that you work with. So can you, can you talk to, maybe if we just go right back to the start there, you know, where I guess your expertise around trauma developed? Was that around a personal uh, experience? You mentioned childhood earlier. Um, how has that developed over time uh, to lead you to where you're at now, um, really specializing in that area?
1: Yeah, well... I think like, as I alluded to, because I've had, you know, rather um, I call it a colourful life because I don't believe that our stories, you know, even if they're quote unquote negative, um, I believe that there's a reason for it. There's a bigger purpose for it that might not make sense at the time, but, you know, looking back, it, it plays a role. So if I look at things that happened, um, you know, throughout my childhood, so, you know, in a, in a nutshell, I grew up in a domestic violent household.
0: Yeah.
1: And, you know, the the ripple effect of things like that, uh, of that occurring, you know, meant that I experienced a lot of things that maybe a, a child wouldn't. And then moving through that as a... a um, a girl going through puberty, I I developed eating disorders and I developed a lot of um, health conditions. And so a lot of even getting into the wellness industry was to help myself first and foremost. And I kind of figured, you know, because I started when I was 18 and my thought process was, if I can even help just one person not experience what I have, this is going to be worth it. And I don't want to live like this no one knows how to help me. So I like, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way.
0: I like it. I like it that uh, often it's the, uh, it's the the personal journey that leads to, I guess, you know, people having their own trauma in life and it's through understanding, um, I guess, overcoming that in their own life that they obviously then learn some really important tools and lessons that they can help. Uh, other people with, and I, I definitely agree that, um, you know, even being able to help uh, one person with something like this is is uh, very important. And so, in terms of your definition of of trauma, how do you how do you uh, see that word? Because I know, I think it's a word that has a lot of different meanings to a lot of uh, different people.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that's important to discuss because there's no just banner in which, well, that's trauma and that's not, it's not black and white because say you and I could go through a similar experience. One of us might be purely fine with it. And the other one might be really triggered, might be really having a hard time emotionally or however else through that. So I, I like to remove from the table that how someone should feel about something. Yeah. Because there's no right or wrong. If something is emotional, if something is difficult, if something yeah. is hard to endure, if it feels traumatic to you, then that's real. Yeah. So I think it's acknowledging and, you know, allowing that to be what it is, as opposed to these are the. Particular things that are traumatic. These are things that aren't, because um, I think that th- there's too much that's dismissed that way.
0: Gotcha. So it's in in many respects, it's acknowledging that um, emotions are real. Uh, yeah. That, you know that and our
1: reactions emotions, too.
0: I like it. I like it. And you know what's coming out for me a little bit from that in in my own definition of trauma before this was I often saw the trauma as um, you know, as an, as the external event, um, rather than really seeing it as, uh, an internal uh, response, one's one's response, uh, to, to that event. Um, and as you said, that means that two people, um, based on their backgrounds, biology, all of these different sort of things can have a, have a very different emotional response to the same thing. Um, and therefore, yeah, I guess it's. It means that in 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 your work, I guess that, you know, there's, a lot of. Um, I'm not sure what the right word is, but uh, a lot of emotions that are occurring within your clients when you first uh, start interacting with them. Is that right?
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes it's actually allowing themselves to. Realize they've experienced or gone through a trauma or felt a trauma because it hasn't been okay prior to to allow that to really sit with them because you know maybe they're the stoic one that doesn't have any problems and they're everyone's go-to, or you know, they they always want to be, you know, strong and the Mm -hmm. resilient one. And you know, we have all of these labels and perceptions of ourselves and. And sometimes it's recognizing actually what I went through, what I experienced was really hard.
0: Yeah. And I think almost, you know, that's kind of really true, I guess, for <clears throat> obviously for in different degrees of uh, intensity, but I think it's kind of true for everybody that, you know, now I wouldn't have ever really used the word trauma to describe things that happened in my past kind of fortunately, but based on the definition of what we're defining, you know, if I think of the peak negative emotional times of my life, you know, a relationship breakup or kind of burnout uh, in the early stages of my career when I was investment banking, that there was, you know, um, an overwhelming, uh, I guess, of, um, you know, focus, attention, all of these sort of aspects of life, happiness, etc., by, you know, and in an event that caused um, a fairly intense and sometimes prolonged um, emotional experience that um, i guess in each case i was quite fortunate to uh work through um and or you know had already in some cases the existing tools to deal with that in some cases you know with the burnout investment banking it took actually quite a long time i would say to work through that but um would you agree then you know the word trauma. It's actually kind of a very broad term, and actually, it, it's quite—it's something really that is probably, um, you know, applicable to to just about everybody, really.
1: Hundred percent, because in fact, everybody has experienced trauma, and I think that's almost important for people to recognise. Because I hear so frequently. Oh, but what I experienced wasn't as bad as this person or that person. So it's almost a belittling of how they feel or how they've reacted because, you know, it wasn't as bad as, well, no, if it was a big deal for you, if it impacted you in some way, that's a trauma. Every single one of us has experienced at least something, like you said, relationships are, are a big one that can cause Um, you know, traumatic responses or even just triggers moving forward in in our lives too. If we experience something that, you know, maybe hurt us or harmed us in some way, then moving forward in our life, it it can show up in various ways. And it can even show up in seemingly non-related ways, like I'm super independent and I don't need anybody else. Well, that's actually a trauma response.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. So, you know, if, for instance, you know, with either something happened with parents or, or past partners, etc., you know, if we develop over time this kind of sense that, you know, with other people in life that they will eventually break our trust or something like that, in, in many respects, we're prolonging a trauma or that's a type of trauma response that we then don't allow ourselves to be close to other people. We don't allow other people to help and support us in different areas of life. We become, as you said, terribly independent, which has value, independency, but so does um, working, connecting with other people, um, leveraging the support, guidance, expertise of other people. And that's something I've experienced a lot in my work, that if you, If you look at peak performers um they're very happy for anybody um to you know provide feedback in a particular area of their life they're almost seeking it out oh how can i you know what am i doing wrong here what can i do better here they're constantly seeking out feedback ideally it's constructive they're constantly bringing in new people to help them with different parts of their game but i feel like a lot of people Myself, including you know, at times in the past where I was experiencing um, negative emotions, etc. people tend to go the opposite way. Is, is is that correct? Where they go, they go quite independent, and they're like, "No, I've just got to deal with this myself. I just need time alone, uh, etc." Whereas that's, I guess, taking them away from some of the most important support and structures that we have in our lives, which are connections with other people.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're correct by saying that, yes, there's a level of independence that's important. We can't be reliant on everyone else to be responsible for us. We need to take responsibility for self. But then there's sort of this extreme independence where, like you you touched on, it can be, you know, trust issues. If we've had our trust broken if we've you know experienced some really negative things um then it impacts us with you know present and future people that come into our life because it's it's like a protection mechanism it's sort of keeping people away in case you get hurt again which you know blocks one of the most fundamental aspects of being human which is having connection and that's how we're designed to be we you know we would if you go back throughout history even just you know tribal aspects and how our nervous system co-regulates and you know we actually need one another we're not designed to be on our own i mean there's a reason why solitary confinement is one of the harshest punishments we give criminals (laughs) because it's so damaging to the human spirit Mm.
0: yeah absolutely i can i can only i can only imagine (laughs) we've all experienced a tiny little bit of that um you know with covid in in 2020 in terms of isolation and Uh, You know, I found recently in being able to reconnect with people in a physical sense, you know, just how important that is. I have a a workout crew that I I train and train with uh, each Wednesday morning and just the camaraderie that's developed through that, I found those days I always feel as light as a feather. And it's not not just the physical workout, but it's the, you know, it's the banter, it's the fun, it's the chatting, it's the um, connection with other people that's just so important because i feel like um you know it's at the end of the day perhaps um it'd be interesting to discuss if you agree that you know i guess one of the most important things as an individual if we come across well really you know if anybody is suffering including ourselves um you know i guess love and empathy um is one of the the most important tools if not the most important tool in in helping people that when they feel loved and appreciated and supported and understood, that they then develop greater internal resources, I guess, to love themselves um, with which then to address a lot of their issues. And uh, do, would you agree with that, Michelle, before we move on?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like love, care, and support is what every single person needs. I mean, we are as you know human beings, we are needy. And that's not a negative. <laughs> it's actually a part of, like I said, the human experience and even yeah. how we're physiologically designed. So yeah, exactly. It allows us sometimes strength so that we can do what we need to do to overcome. And if you have a, a good support network and people that are there for you, then you absolutely will. Come out the other side, you know, much stronger.
0: Gotcha. you. In terms of um, in terms of uh, trauma, and I guess even just when people are going through a hard time emotionally, it is often our, I guess, our friends and our family um, that we turn to first. And I guess, I guess, one of the recommendations would be, you know, based on everything we've discussed on this, firstly is is to try and involve professionals in the process. Um, I guess in the, in the right way, because these are kind of, as you mentioned, complex, diverse matters. And I know just through my own experience that one of the things I see most commonly is that when somebody is, um, and this is something I've only learned really over the last year, that when somebody is, I guess, emotionally charged, um, or going through a really tough time, that um, we all want to help them. And so often what we lead with is a solution oh, you're feeling like this, uh, why don't you try this? And then, you know, you'll feel better uh, kind of thing. And in my own experience and in, in observing others, that uh, that often actually leads to a negative um, response in the individual. Could you maybe describe how it would be um, a better approach or, or how potentially you would approach somebody, um, you know, that's either come to you or potentially hasn't even come to you yet, but that you know is going through a tough time emotionally?
1: Yeah, look, I feel like this has got a couple really important messages to share. So I'm going to go on a couple components here. Number (laughs) one, don't always wait for people to tell you that they're not doing okay. Because when someone's depleted, you know, even if they're just experiencing, I say just experiencing, it can be so overwhelming to experience, you know, depression, anxiety or, Anything else from a mental health standpoint, I think we're there's so much push for um, someone saying they're not okay, but if when you're so depleted, you technically don't have anything left in the tank. Mm-hmm. So checking in on people and and doing it from a wholehearted space. Yeah. So you know, those people in my inner circle, they know I'm a checker in or a I'll, you know, even just send a message, you know, how are you doing? No, but how are you doing really? Yeah. You know, so checking in on people, and not always waiting.
0: Yeah, because I guess in, in what you're saying just then that, um, you know, if you only check in on a very um, uh, basic level, you know, people's initial response would just be, yeah, I'm fine. You know, all, exactly. all's good kind of thing. But if you give them a bit more time um, and you go a little bit deeper, you might quickly find that they're they're not really okay below the surface.
1: Exactly. Because I mean, how many times, I mean, now that we're doing a little bit more natural stuff, like going to the supermarket and whatnot, how many times during the day do you get asked, Oh, how are you doing? And it's just like a knee jerk reply. We go, Oh, I'm good. Good. Thanks. Instead of actually today's really hard. Today's really heavy. You're not going to unpack it with a stranger, but when it's with a friend, it's normal to go straight into that default response. yeah. And a lot of the times people don't want to be a burden on other people. We're so afraid to add pressure onto people's lives. Yeah. But the thing is, if you love someone, you want them to be able to share all of the pieces of themselves. I yeah. mean, I'm sure that you would agree that people in your inner circle that are in that you love and and care for, you would want to be there for them. And, and whether that's at their highest or at their lowest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh,
1: we love them no matter how they show up because we love them.
0: Yeah. Unconditionally. And, and, you know, if you, if you do really love somebody, it's, um, it's not a burden to help them. It's, it's, it's something that
1: energises. It's such a privilege to be let into someone's reality, you know, how they're actually feeling and all that vulnerable aspect because that is so connective and it's so much trust as well. So the bonds that you create when you actually can have those connections, they're beautiful. So- that would be my first piece there is not always waiting for people yep. to reach out
0: for activity. Yep,
1: yeah. The other half of that is for those that are reaching out or feel like they're ready to reach out. My first piece of advice is to make sure you choose whom you speak to wisely yep. because, in particular, a lot of feedback I get with men is that they've finally worked up the courage to reach out and say, hey, they're actually not doing okay, only for it to be a really negative experience. And then men, because, you know, you guys are really breaking this whole old paradigm of harden up and boys don't cry and all of those horrendous things that have suppressed men for so long that when they do get the courage to reach out, and if it's a bad experience, they're like, oh, well, I won't do that again. Yeah. And so choosing who you speak to wisely is super important and not taking their reaction to heart as well. Because like we've already discussed, mm. everyone's got stuff going on. Every yeah. single person on the planet is working through things that are tricky. So they might not actually have the resources or energy to be able to sit with the magnitude of what you're going through.
0: Yeah, And so, they may, may not just have the uh, the skills um, yeah, that exactly. we have, that it's emotions, are, are complicated things. And it's, I guess, we've had the privilege of, of working with a lot of different people in these areas to understand the sort of approaches that do work and the sort of approaches that don't. Um, and that there can be, you know, as I said, for me, the difference between just being empathetic and listening to somebody and, and trying to understand what they're going through versus you know just jumping in with a solution or something there the yeah. emotional response that i get from people is just you know, is dramatically um different and so it's it's important mm-hmm. to understand that um i think the way i see that now is that if you build the connection and the trust and and people open up At some point down the line they'll you know they'll ask you for the solution (laughs) they'll be you know what do you think about this what what should i try etc which means that the kind of the timing is right there so i think i think one thing that's coming to mind through this if if people are helping one i guess proactivity in terms of getting in there early Um, but then i think patience as well is kind of really important in terms of uh, not trying to, you know, just have a quick win, just you yeah. know, give this person an emotional turnaround <laughs> that a lot of these things build up over long periods of time. So they're often going to take uh, long periods of time to unravel. And so just be patient in, in being there uh, for other people. Would you agree?
1: I would. And I kind of feel like that ties into maybe a third component of this. So say someone's approached you for support and sharing that they're not doing okay Um, There is that tendency to want to give advice yeah. because I I feel like that's just the reciprocity that we've been taught with how if someone speaks to you, you need to speak back instead of letting them finish. So there's that saying that goes, you know, listen to understand, not listen just to respond. And so if someone is sharing, I think the key, number one, is to listen. Because when we straight away go into giving advice, that's actually a form of judgment. Yeah. And we're already putting an opinion Mm. on something before we actually let them fully unpack what's happening. So I think the biggest key is just sit back and listen first. If someone has come to you and saying that they're not okay, listening first and allowing them to go wherever it needs to and then asking them what they need can be super helpful. Like, do you just need to vent? Yeah. Do you want advice? Do you want support? How can I best help you?
0: Gotcha. And I think asking a lot of, I guess, clarifying questions important as well. That, as you said, yeah. that the key, I guess, the key thing you're kind of saying is, is in really rather than trying to find solutions. Um, or taking i guess taking that person on a journey in some respect but you're really just trying to early on anyway really just understand exactly where they're at what they're going through and what their kind of current reality is and i think from what you're saying it's in many respects the kind of therapy that even just through them talking about that one but then having somebody else actually to talk to and i think even you know, just being listened to is—you um, know—you're talking about the experience, and when a lot of people approach somebody else, it's a negative experience. I guess we're kind of trying to understand—is how can we create um, a positive experience uh, for the person that's sharing? Because then, you know. That might just be the first time you have a a a coffee with somebody or something like that to help them out with something but then because of the positive experience you know you have another one and then you have another one um and that then becomes a really strong basis for then uh helping that person to um you know i guess transcend their trauma and their and their and their issues
1: exactly and not feeling like that you have to have all of the answers and support because like you alluded to earlier in this conversation you know people don't have the you know skills or qualifications or know how like you were saying like you know we have with working in you know these types of industries and so maybe even a piece of being that supporter saying hey I'm here with you i don't have all the answers but let's find someone together that you can talk to about all of this that can give you tools to move forward
0: interesting in in because i know for a lot of people um i guess i guess the kind of the key to this is is having the relationship with the person in the first place to make that suggestion because it's it's one of those areas where hard one. Yeah, chatting chatting yeah. with a friend is one thing but then actually um, seeking professional support and in guidance for a lot of people again I mentioned this before that um, you know the peak performers they're out there they're getting they're it's getting tough. coaches in lots of different areas of their Everything. life and pushing forward They
1: understand it.
0: They understand. that's
1: the, uh, the paradigm we get to shift nowadays too, because no one bats an eyelid when you go to a doctor or you go see a physio yeah. or, you know, we understand that we need to have, you know, maintenance hmm. on certain levels. And I feel like there's starting to be a shift in understanding, well, actually yeah. you need maintenance mentally and emotionally yeah. as yeah. well. And uh, it's kind of like, you know, your car, you take it to the mechanic and you get everything serviced and you get the oil changed and you get the tires done and all yeah. of the things. But I think sometimes we forget that we are like that too. And so I think it's it's shifting those old thought processes that it's, uh, oh, you're seeing someone about mental health. yeah. Good on you, you're doing something for yourself. And I, I wanted to get to the point, it's just mm. like when someone says, oh yeah, I saw my physio today. You know, the same sort of off-the-cuff remark. It's just a normal thing that people do. And, and I am seeing that shift. But I think the more that we have, you know, conversations like this, the more we can keep shifting it for everyone so that they don't feel less than. Because I think yeah. there's a, a sensation of that they, they're not strong enough or they feel belittled in some way that they can't handle it on yeah. their own. But you wouldn't expect to be able to handle an injury on your own yeah why would it be any different internally
0: yeah and i, I just see it at you know, very basic levels we all have a certain level of understanding about about life um and how to succeed in it be happy etc we've all got certain experiences that we have and when we I guess I, I like to use the term mastermind often, you know, you can look at it at coaching and depending on the different type of the relationship, but I like masterminding just because even if you're just chatting with a friend, you are, you're linking two minds together um, around. The particular challenges or opportunities that you're talking about and therefore you're getting a lot more experience life experience to bear on those challenges and opportunities you're getting all of the positive emotions that come from connecting with people in that way and so for me it's particularly happened over the last couple years i've got into coaching myself but me getting into coaching myself was because i brought on my own coaches and i realized how uh amazingly beneficial it was that i just wanted to start actually building out my team for life you know if i want a business coach in this particular area if i want to get better at social media um i don't want to just start from the beginning and learn everything by kind of hacking it together i want to accelerate that process and mastermind as much as i can with somebody so that i really develop a strong bond with them so that the skill transference between us um, and the transference of all the different understandings and knowledge and things that we have as well um, is accelerated. And we both get a really enjoyable experience uh, out of that. But, you know, as we're describing, I guess yeah, I often use the example of the person that needs exercise the most is the person that's hardest to convince yeah. <laughs> to exercise. And it, it's the same often with help that Often it's getting started which is the hardest bit that people have isolated they become terribly independent um, and the people that um, aren't having these troubles are very connected with lots of other people in many different ways they've got coaches they're mentoring other people they've got strong friendship they've got strong intimate relationships etc uh, and so for i guess people struggling with trauma it's about you know, how do you start that process of building up these connections again, and I think um, involving professionals as well as friends and family um, who are, I think, as you were describing before, of the right um, mindset where they can, I guess, put their own sort of feelings and thoughts aside and can you know do have good listening skills etc and if you can't find that in your immediate friends and family then I guess you do need to go to a professional uh, to find things that other people actually do have readily available to them
1: yeah yeah exactly and then looking at the people that you do have in your little hemisphere too and are they fitting the future that you want to have and you know creating those connections that you want to have because like you were saying everyone has their field of genius and they can offer something to you and and you know it's a part of that whether you call it your team your tribe your village your community whatever (laughs) whatever floats your boat with that terminology but we all have our people and they all have something to offer so especially when you're because I know a lot of people feel very, very alone when they're going through traumas and that they feel like nobody understands them. And, you know, maybe they're physically living alone. Maybe they're, you know, there's so many ways that people feel alone that you, but it also opens up space to have the right people enter your life too. So, I I I love to look for the silver lining in everything. That's just a little bit about my nature, I guess. Yep, Not good. So I I feel that yeah, it is important to to have all of those beautiful people and create those connections. And if you don't have them now, it doesn't mean that you won't in the future.
0: Gotcha. And I think we'll segue there, Michelle, if we can, into we just we discussed a little bit at the start of the interview your early journey. Um, in personal training, et cetera, how that branched out into a very holistic approach and over, I guess the last, was it nearly 20 years that you've uh, learnt all these different areas. And now that's dovetailed, is it in the, just the last year or two um, into, I know you started a business in this area 10 years ago, but in the last year or so, this has actually become more your personal brand. Is that the case in, in terms of uh, Michelle Powell, uh, Holistic Healer?
1: Yeah, look, it's kind of naturally evolved over the past decade in particular um, because I was still – when I moved to New South Wales, I um, was still very much in the the health and fitness and encompassing and intertwining all of the other components. And then it was about uh, 2013 I stepped away from that sort of fitness space and yeah. got more into – honing in and added in different energy and spiritual elements. And yeah, it's probably uh, like you said, probably about the last 12 months or so um, that it's really defined itself again. It's like the natural evolution of Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that sort of coincides very much with some of the own life experiences I've had within the past few years um, that were, you know, pretty hard and pretty challenging and traumatic for myself. Yeah. And with navigating that and, and how life, um, kind of led me it's, um, it's found this beautiful point where all of my personal life experiences, you know, have really helped with everything that I do professionally.
0: And how would you describe um, what it, what it is you do for people in, in your current capacity?
1: Yeah. So, well, I do uh, one-on-one coaching group coaching um, as well as teaching workshops, both online and face-to-face when uh, COVID life is not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but it, when I'm working one-on-one with a client, I, I really love painting the big picture. So I, I, I do a lot of um, assessment-based stuff because I truly yeah. believe that if you're not assessing, you're guessing and then you're not really listening to people. Yeah. So I, I start with a lot of assessment-based stuff and really hear what's going on with the client and mm-hmm. what's happening in their world and what they would like to have different. Yeah. And then then we build from there, but it is encompassing all areas of wellness. So there's, you know, the physical health and, a lot of mental and emotional components, nutritional for some that need it as well. Um, but I really specialize in, you know, people coming out of that trauma state and yeah. they're generally feeling really low within themselves or in their life, in their relationships, their career, everything. And it's finding that genuinely happy self again, the person that's, you know, maybe being crushed under whatever's going on in their life, whether it's pressures, expectations, responsibilities, events, or anything along those lines. And then coming back to what I like to call the authentic self, which yep. over the past decade, even the term authenticity has lost a little piece of that. <laughs> so I'm trying to bring that back to I'm bringing authentic back to the word authentic, Cam. I like it. <laughs> but, you know, coming back to... You know those elements of who someone really is underneath all of the shit that's happened to them, yeah. but then also allowing them to step into, well, who do you really want to be? What's the version of yourself that you'd really like to be?
0: Yeah, I got you. So it sounds like, you know, this is in, in in my mind, it's quite deep work, you know, a lot of trauma and that it, it goes to, um, you know, very, deeper parts of our subconscious our habits our beliefs all of these sorts of things and you know to really create um lasting and effective change i guess take somebody on this journey all the way from trauma to as you're describing genuine uh happiness um that requires some deep work and as we've described it requires patience (laughs) um Proactivity, uh, but also the right uh, relationships. Very importantly, in that, have you got a um, you know uh, a free resource or anything like that that can help people to uh, understand who you are better and the kind of work you do? But also importantly, I guess if they are have experienced some trauma, which I think we've identified that really most of us have to a certain degree in our life how we can use the tools you're describing to, I guess, test them out and see um, how they work for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have an um, article that you can send out to your audience, Cam. It's called The Courage to Heal. Fantastic. and It's a five-step process to start the ball rolling, essentially. So it actually gives them some tools that they can start doing themselves to get themselves ready to either speak to someone about what's going on for them or just into you know some professional help so whatever feels true for them um but it's a an article that they can just download for free and have a read
0: okay cool well i'll definitely i'll include that in the uh show notes and just um so people can follow you uh as well uh do you have a, a website you can share and or uh social media handles
1: yeah, absolutely. So I'm on all of the normal social media places, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn. I'm under the same handle. It's the Michelle Powell, And my website sort of is exactly the same. It's TheMichellePowell.com.au. Got you.
0: Well, look, Michelle, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. I think it was it was really good to dive deep on a number of different areas, um, especially trauma. It's something for me that I haven't really uh, dived deep on in terms of my own uh, experience. So I found that very valuable uh, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will. So thanks very much for being here and hope to have you on again sometime soon.
1: Thanks so much, Cam, I'd love to.
0: So there you have it guys and girls. If you enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast and head over to cam-miller.com to sign up for my free weekly growth guide email. If you're really loving the podcast please also share it with family and friends and leave a review on itunes or whichever platform you might be listening on i can't wait to share the next episode with you